Welcome to Lead Clinic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Vitelli. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Joey Liner from Liner Connections. Thanks for joining us, Joey. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. It's great to have you here. And Joey, just, you know, our audience tends to be insurance agents that are focused on digital marketing and lead generation. So just give us a background of, you have a very long and interesting history in this space for sure. Yep. Just give our listeners and viewers a little like the, the highlights of, of your career and what you've done and kind of what you're doing today. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. I love what you're doing with Lead Clinic. I uh, love all the good content and the quality you're pushing out there to uh, to, the, to the space, to the universe. I've been in the performance marketing space for 20 years. I started selling mortgage leads in 2002, uh, a company called TheLoanPage.com. And it was a shared lead model. It was following the lending tree. When banks compete, you win. Uh, selling data multiple times to different uh, mortgage brokers. I'm going to interject for a second because I think it's the best part of this story. How did you deliver those leads at that time? Oh, my goodness. I think we talked about it once. We right? did. Like, I, we sold those leads via fax, fax machine. So I, if, I don't know how many people <laughs> know what that is anymore, but yeah. um, the, we sold them via fax. We print out lead sheets and have all the consumer information. If I, Nobody was validating it at the yeah. time, so it could have been like fake information. <laughs> um, it was weird. You had to translate an online inquiry to a handwritten lead form mm -hmm. and then fax it to a buyer. So it was a lot of manual work. Mm -hmm. um, but we were selling it to mortgage brokers and they were calling and, you know, and, and write, writing mortgage loans. The financial crisis hit, you know, and so we started diversifying into other industries that my previous business called Double Positive, which was a contact center business. Mm -hmm. It was one of our big mortgage clients that said, hey, we're having trouble getting these lead sheets on the phone. Can you do the work for us? So we gave those sheets to call center agents. They would do the blocking and tackling, get the consumer on the phone. We called that a hot transfer. Mm -hmm. uh, industry seems like it's favored the word warm transfer mm -hmm. now. But we were one of the pioneers of doing that. I like hot positive. transfer better. I know. I liked yeah. it too. We thought, you know, my partner, Sean, created that. We really helped bridge the gap between contact, getting people on the phone to that direct-to-consumer sales. So we expanded education, insurance. I did that for a good period of time, all the way uh, through an acquisition, through, worked through a private equity firm. And then I was approached by Digital Media Solutions to be their chief revenue officer in 2019, okay. uh, which took me from a services-based business of call center to actual media, mm -hmm. lead generation. Did that, we became the chief revenue officer, worked in, in lead, affiliate, call center, you know, learned so much about being behind the media, you know, and actually what it meant to have that type of power. Mm -hmm. um, and saw the peer group like EverQuote, Media Alpha, Quinn Street, just picked up so much more within my Rolodex and context of doing this 20 years. And um, that company went public. Uh, we were a SPAC, as mo most SPACs, unfortunately, were negative and not yeah. have we now today are structured poorly. Uh, so I left there about a year and a half ago to start my own consulting business called Liner Connections, just helping companies in the performance marketing space, um, really just connecting buyers and sellers and service providers and trying to find a harmonious uh, solution between everybody to see better relationships. In, in that period of time, you know, it's since probably right since you were at DMS till now, you were also the 
president of the Leeds Council, right? Or now the Consumer Consent Council. Yes, uh, I, which is now unfortunately no longer in existence sure. or, you know, under pace. But but yes, I was about, I think it's about five years ago or six years. I was a, I had a two-year term as president of Leeds Council. I initially was a board member and they, you know, the, at the time the president had to step down. So mm-hmm. I jumped in to help. And yeah, so I learned, I've learned so much about compliance within uh, our space, right? Because it runs how we all operate, exactly. you know, or legally. Exactly. <laughs> and so I've, um, you know, through all the different verticals that I mentioned, you know, insurance, consumer finance, education, each one of those uh, verticals has their own typical regulatory environment within who they report into, like Medicare has CMS <laughs> or mortgage has RESPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know insurance, you guys have different different various uh, groups that you kind of have to follow the guidelines and, you know, licensing, of course. Sure. Um, and then there's obviously like the Telephone Consumer Protection Act and FTC rules, the TSR, things that we look at from a contact center engagement. So the Leeds Council is formed to try to help self-govern the performance marketing space. And so it's like essentially a trade group of lead buyers and sellers um, at the time. And so, yes. so you're 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 well connected in this space, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, very and fortunate. You've been you've been doing this a long time. And you know, I guess as an insurance lead buyer, like mm-hmm. before, like I really evolved into to a lead aggregator, um, and hopefully soon to be a lead publisher. Right? You know. I was kind of like naive, right? I thought like lead generation was like almost exclusive to the insurance industry. And that's really not true at all. Lead generation works in a lot of different industries and a lot of different verticals. And that was like kind of, you know, I'm like lead generation for solar panels. Like, you know, like, is this really a real thing? And, but there are tons of different verticals in the lead generation space. Um, as we now know. And I think like most of the people that I anticipate listen to this podcast are insurance agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they're fascinated to find out that there's lead gen going on in a lot of different verticals. But one of the things that I think is most interesting about insurance lead generation is lead price is pretty cheap in insurance mm-hmm. compared to other verticals. Why is that? exactly in your mind why do you think that is and like what do you think is like you know like some people tell me solar leads go for like $800 a phone call like mm-hmm. that would be unheard of in the insurance world mm-hmm. what's the difference it's just everyone needs insurance and yeah it's part of it is a wider audience it casts a wider net right cuz everybody needs it just like credit card debt same thing big category so it casts a wider net i think also it's a, the bounty the sale the cost per acquisition right like sure. Uh, some of the ones you mentioned, like solar, mortgage, there's $1,000, $1,500 cost per acquisition. So they can pay more to acquire a, a customer. They have, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think it's it's really in for auto, it's like, you know, we know it's a low margin, high volume business. Um, and I think what we've learned in the industry too, whether it, with all the lead generation companies or aggregators is they make up revenue by how many times they want to monetize that consumer event, whether mm-hmm. it's a lead form and they can sell it multiple times. There's a click wall that is presented where a consumer can select who they want to speak to. There's a call center doing a warm transfer. So I think most lead generation companies typically try to operate, you know, within reasonable margins, 25, mm-hmm. 30% margin. Mm-hmm. But it's different based on the bounty and, you know, how many times they want to sell the lead and the consumer experience really comes down to it. But it's a good point. Not all leads are created equal. We know Absolutely. that. You know, Absolutely. Sure. And so, like, our, our clients, our viewers, our listeners today – 
you know, I particularly push quality over over Absolutely. quantity, right? You like do. I think like I'm a quality buyer in everything I buy from whether it's like where I'm going to go to dinner tonight or what vehicle I'm driving. Like I just – and part of that was instilled in me as, as an Allstate agent years ago, right? We talked about, you know – selling value right. over anything. And that's how I view as a lead buyer. And there's no doubt, and you certainly don't dispute this, like there are problems and challenges in this industry. There are certainly bad actors, which is not unique to lead generation, right? There's bad actors in every <laughs> industry. Um, but, you know, for our viewers and listeners, really, what what can they do? What can an end user do, an individual insurance agent or an individual mortgage broker to really try and achieve, you know, optimal quality of leads, you know, besides working with a reputable vendor, is there any other tips or tricks or anything, you know, in your experience or even red flags for, for vendors that, you know, people should be wary of? Well, like you said, typically when you see some really low pricing or you see, uh, you know, it's, there's some, probably some sort of indication that it's a lower intent type of lead. And, you know, there's, what we found is whether you're direct to consumer, big call center, or if you're, you know, an individual agent or a team of agents is time is the most valuable asset that we all have, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's a place for some of those lower intent leads where you can plow through them sometimes with contact center uh, transfer agents like flippers, as they call them, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, what I always say to people, and you and I have talked about this, is put yourself in the mind of the consumer. Like, yeah. go through the consumer journey yourself. Mm -hmm. um, if you're buying leads, you know, for your organization— you want to be able to tell your your team and you want to know what the consumer is actually seeing online, yeah. the messaging that's being fed to them, what their expectations are, right, yep. for being contacted, how they want to be contacted. So I feel like we race to uh, acquire customers, but we really don't, uh, as an industry, we, we've lacked the understanding of what the consumer has actually gone through. We just yeah. say, oh, we'll buy a lead, right? Yep. But like- Quality, quantity, and cost, those are the three pillars that you can really kind of maneuver along the way. And mm -hmm. as long as you have good analytics, you have a good understanding of disposition data and understanding, you setting up the plumbing, yep. you know? So if you're really buying leads, it's like, you know, don't just throw them into a spreadsheet. Like, try to have a good system to intake them and follow up with the consumer and make sure that you, like, like I said, you just go through the consumer journey. Like, that's yep. really getting down to the basics. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't really think about it from the consumer's perspective. And I, I try and like in everything, I try and think of it from the other side's perspective. And, yeah. you know, I think of it as a lead seller today. I think about it from like most of the way we built lead clinics from the lead buyer's perspective. But I think like insurance agents, right, whether it's mortgage brokers, insurance agents, people selling solar panels, you know, they should think about everything from that right. consumer's perspective because it's their brand and their reputation at stake, one. Yep. And then two, like, do you really want to do business with someone who calls you like 15 times on day one? I mean, like I've had some clients tell me like this is their outreach strategy, like eight calls on day one. And I'm like, that just doesn't seem like a respectful consumer experience. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is we've evolved. Uh, and I think that, but there's some people that haven't, you know, yeah. to your point. And so, you know, I grew up in the lead gen space where we would pound the phone, mm -hmm. you know, it was convenient to the sales rep yeah. to just say, I'm going to dial the crap out of that lead mm -hmm. until I feel like I get them on the phone. Mm -hmm. But 
in modern day times, we know whether it's through texting or through, you know, any of the social apps, like we have to actually have a better understanding of when the consumer wants to talk to us. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's this happy medium of saying like, you don't just pound the phone mm -hmm. and piss them off yep. or they won't do business with you. They're not going to. Um, but there is still so many companies that do that. Like call it a sweatshop, right? Yep. Like it's like nasty how you're just treating the consumer. And I know we'll probably touch on some of the regulatory piece that's coming, yeah. but there's, unfortunately, that's probably what's, you know, a lot of those businesses have caused some of the actions that we're dealing with with the FCC. Well, and, and that's a great segue into this. So obviously, you know, at the time we're recording this, right, the FCC's notice its its second proposed rule. Um, notice, notice proposed yeah. rulemaking change. NPRM. Yeah. Yeah, I NPRM. just know NPRM. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the first one came out, and and really the second one is just basically, I mean, the biggest takeaway that I get out of it is the one-to-one -one consent, right? One entity listed on the form, yes. one, you know, that's the one presented to the consumer, that's the only party that can contact them. Obviously, just looking at supply, demand, like basic economics, right? Lead price is going to go up. Right. You can't sell that to four people anymore. Right. The publishers, and I think like this is a good, I'm going on a rant more than yeah, a question no, no. here, but this is a good time to look at things from the other person's perspective, right? The publisher isn't just taking all this money, right? They're paying Google. They're paying Meta, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, they're mm -hmm. they're paying TikTok, they're yep. paying email vendors. There's a lot of different, right? It's not like just gravy train, they're printing money. I think that's what a lot of insurance agents don't do a great job as seeing it from the other person's perspective. They have a lot of costs in their business. Right. Now, if they can't monetize that by selling it four times or five times or however many times they were, the unit economics have to make sense from their business to, you know, they have to make money. They have to cover their costs. They have to cover their planned profit. So lead price is for sure going to go up. But right. do we anticipate quality goes up too? Do we anticipate that contact rate goes up because less people are calling? I mean, I think my hypothesis is yes, right? I think we will. Yes. It will just take, we'll see a gradual uptick month over month, quarter over quarter. I think you know, first of all, thank you. Uh, I, I saw you did a video right, you know, after the release to your to the lead clinic uh, audience, and I think you, you you know basically just rightfully so said everybody just take it easy for a minute. Like yeah. let's read through this, but let's listen to each other. Let's actually talk through this and mm -hmm. get a better understanding about um, really how people are interpreting this, but how people will put it into place. Yeah. Uh, and I think. We all race an impulse to to we want instant gratification as a society. Mm -hmm. That's how we operate, which I get it. You know, sure. we all have business and we all have revenue goals yeah. to hit. But we have to really understand why this happened is because, you know, consumers were being treated like shit. Mm -hmm. You know, they were being treated like shit. Yep. And it's not just insurance, yeah. but like I said, we talk, we're talking about all the different verticals. Whether the last decade or so publicly traded companies, you know, they a lot of the big lead generation companies, a lot of the different publishers, they just they look they didn't really look at the consumer as a genuine consumer. They mm -hmm. looked at it as a profit center and just how many more times can I make <laughs> money from this event? Yep. Um, now, I think you're spot on. Is we will see a better consumer experience here. Mm -hmm. We will absolutely see a better consumer experience here, a better contact rate, and a better conversion rate. Pricing is going to go up. Yeah. To your point, because. I think the smart lead generation companies will still find a way to legally do a comparison lead. Mm -hmm. We're going to work through that. We're going to help them through reach and through other methods of doing that. 
but there will be more direct dialing. So now the consumer knows instead of a blind match behind mm -hmm. the scenes from some lead generator or an aggregator, mm -hmm. um, it will be done direct at the point of submission because it's clear one-to-one, -one, like you said. And when you call Mr. Agent and you say, hey, you want to speak to it, they'll know you're calling them. Yep. And I think it'll be fair competition and maybe three, four, five, whatever's realistic where a consumer, because the consumer is going to have to click submit mm -hmm. directly. It can't be pre-populated checkbox. Yep. It's going to have to say, they're going to have to populate three different forms, which is okay. They're opting in to say, I want to shop. And I want to talk to these three or four different companies. And that's great from, from the company's perspective, from the advertiser's perspective, right? Because do insurance agents want to talk to people who don't want to talk to them? No. no. Do we want to waste time calling people who aren't going to answer the phone? No. So if there's a clear yes. understanding. Now, I think that, right, there's probably like the greater society approach here is like people are going on and they're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to fill this out. I'm going to actually get an insurance quote online. Mm -hmm. And that happens few and far between, right. right? We have like Progressive, on you know, has an online bindable mm -hmm. experience that's pretty good. You know, some of the bigger names, too. I mean, I don't think State Farm does, but I know Allstate does. But if a consumer knows Allstate, a consumer mm -hmm. knows Progressive, if they wanted an Allstate quote, Online, I think they would go to allstate.com. If right. they wanted a progressive quote, I think they go to progressive.com. I think consumers truly do want a comparison shopping experience. That's right. They want someone to kind of do the work for them. And now, are we still going to get that comparison shopping experience if it's only one-to-one -one consent, though? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe if they fill out three forms or something, but maybe not if they don't. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for consumers. I it's hard to say. I don't know. Well, you're right. But, it, you know, I always try to, like, take a step back and look, you know, and say internet shopping is by far the largest medium of uh, advertising. Yeah. It crushes TV, radio, print, right? We can't – the FCC can put laws out there. Yeah. <clears throat> but you can't stop consumer behavior and activity, mm -hmm. you know? So by nature, like you said, all of us – if we know a direct brand that we want to speak to, we go to their domain. Yeah. You know, if I see that Nordstrom's running a sale, right, all right, yeah. I go to Nordstrom's site. Go. Easy. But if I really want to shop and I go into Google and search something and there's a comparison site that comes up. Now, I've been in performance marketing for a long time, so typically I don't fill out forms. But I know consumer <laughs> behavior, consumer activity, they do want to get, you know, where you have proof. Performance marketing has grown in astronomical amounts year over year because more and more consumers, you know, they see the benefit of the shopping. Yeah. So I do think that we can't slow down that activity. I think it's just going to be more clear mm -hmm. and direct. And I think there'll be technology or there'll be whether they leave that page and go to a different site or that site finds a way to populate direct consent for they can clone their page or bring up a new browser so the consumer actually submits three different times yep. versus now it's been you submit once and you just get matched blindly. You don't know who you're speaking to. There's a click wall that populates all these other things that are going to happen, right? So I think we're going to see, the cool thing is the six-month period is we're going to see some a lot of A-B testing within our space. And we'll, let's see how consumers behave. behave. Yeah. Let's see how they behave. And see and see what the what the the conversion rates are and see you know like look I, I think this may be a really good thing for like you know insurance agents because oftentimes people want to speak to someone that's local to their community we yeah. hear that a lot so i think that if options are presented and the option is 
Geico. Right. Or the option is, you know, Joey Liner's Allstate Agency, you know, 123 Main Street, you know, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone picks that um, yeah. instead. So I think this could be a good thing. And it, right, it's just transparent. Like I'm always preaching transparency. And I think not only from the lead buyer perspective, lead seller perspective, but also just simply, right, the, the, the consumer perspective. I think that's, you know, kind of mission critical and having a more transparent consumer experience is better for everybody. It is. It is. And I, I look, I've, like I was saying, I've been doing this for 20 years and, you know, I've seen regulatory help come in, mm-hmm. clean up, you know, a couple times. Yeah, the TCPA wasn't even a thing, right, 20 years ago, right? Right. So first you had the do not call us in 2004. Okay. Right? Uh, President Bush put, pushed it out there because everybody had home phones. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and the caller ID boxes. Yep. Um, and God, so, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> but people were just getting call, unwanted calls, right? Yep. So we said, okay, we'll create the do not call list. Um, and lead generation companies would put uh, disclaimers in privacy policies. So mm-hmm. it wasn't clear, uh, but it was there. Yep. It was there. You you know, you created what we call EBR, existing business relationship. Mm-hmm. You had uh, 90 days to contact the consumer. Um, that lasted for, you know, a good 10 years. As But as cell phones evolved, there was prepaid plans, right? Mm-hmm. Every, you couldn't – now it's all you can eat minutes, right? Yeah. But there was a time where everybody was paying – uh, per minute. Per minute. I remember. And so yeah, yeah. then you were getting those unwanted calls on your mobile phone and you had to pay for them or text. I didn't even think about that. Okay. And, but see, you know, our government, we move slow, right? Yeah. So we put in a law in 2013 that had said, hey, you need express written consent for to dial these consumers on their mobile phone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, most of the carriers had already built out the all you can eat, you know, yeah, model. model. But it was, but it was, but it was fine. You needed clear consent to call the consumer uh, and not, you know, contact them via automated dialing technology. And you know, the the industry, the performance marketing industry, and in insurance, home services, mortgage came together. And hey, what language do we need? Mm-hmm. What does it need to be by the submit button? What's the font size? Do we need a checkbox? And Ultimately, uh, somebody evolved the marketing partners list, mm-hmm. which is basically every time you sign a contract with a new client, you throw them on a marketing partners list. Do you ever take them off? No, that's the problem. That's the problem is I think the idea was great at the time, mm-hmm. but the list has grown to be thousands of tens of thousands of names. I, I really think the marketing partner list was created, obviously, to be compliant with the law, and everyone wanted to be so cautious that they never took anyone off the marketing <laughs> partner list. And then what happened is the FCC came in and said, you guys are getting consent for 4,000 people at once. And it's like, oh, my God, half these people have, probably 90% of them haven't bought one lead in the past five years. But we're so cautious and so want to err on the side of caution to not get sued that the marketing partners list just evolved out of control, right? It did. And then there was also uh, not there. You were getting, you were also feeding that lead to somebody who's outside of the industry that you, or the, the initial intent of what the consumer, if they apply for an auto insurance quote, you could sell it technically to somebody else on the list that was in like home warranty. Yeah. Right. 
there was that argument that, oh, no, they were on the list. They should all. So now we're getting back to we should only call people. I mean, even the the TCPA was written where you're only supposed to call the person for the initial request that they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but now it's definitely going to be much clearer who's going to contact them. And I think that's a great thing. It's just we're going to see some evolution, just like we did in 2013. We're going to see a, a cleanse. And there are going to be companies that are affected adversely. They're going to either, they're brokers, they're aggregators, they're not in control of the media. Mm -hmm. And look, none of us want to see people lose jobs. Of none of not. us want to see an economic, you know, we're, we're challenging times, you sure. know, with, with, with the American economy. But mm -hmm. there are indications that things are going better. But yeah. th there will be a dent here. There will be a dent. There definitely will be a dent. And... You know, of course, there will be bad actors that go out of business, and there, of course, will be some good ones, too. And that's 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 a challenging a reality, thing to see, yeah. but it's a reality of the situation. I think it's also probably a wake-up call for everyone, too, right? Um, you know, uh, there's a great saying, right? If you don't regulate yourself, someone eventually will regulate you. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think the lead generation industry – and I think – quite frankly, not just Legion, right? Advertising as yeah. a whole. Really, advertisers push the limits in yes. everything they're doing, right? Yes. I don't care if it's a TV commercial I'm watching with, you know, this huge legal disclaimer at the bottom of the screen <laughs> that nobody's going to be able to read. Like, why did you even put that up there? No one's right. going to be able to read that right. ever. No. But it's, they're doing it to push the limits. And I think that it's good to moderate your approach to everything um, and be like, okay, we don't have to go quite up to quite up to the line. Yeah. You know, like the TCPA, even today, you have 90 days to call someone. Like, look, if you haven't gotten a hold of someone in 86 days, like, do you really need to call them? Like, I mean, even if you can get a hold of someone in 21 days, you really think you can get a hold of them on day 37? Like, I mean, let's just apply common sense. Right. Let's not push up to the line. All right, I have 90 days. I'm going to call right to that 90th day. Like, that's pretty crazy behavior. So just doing things Right. Comes back to golden rule, right? Treat people how you want to be treated. Like, would I want someone to be calling me for 89 days? Of course not. Like, that's insane. Right. So I think that this is an unfortunate reality of, of folks that, you know, put us in this position because they just pushed a little too hard. That's right. And there's no... To your point, there, there's no co there is there are coalitions, there are, but but a lot of brands like to just act on their own within yeah. out cooperation. So and even within the marketing space, a lot of the big lead generation companies, um, a lot of service providers, they kind of go they they communicate within the mm. the ecosystem of best practices, but there isn't a unified, true unified approach. Yeah. And I know we're trying to work on that. Yep. Uh, we're never going to give up on that. But but I feel like so many brands, you know, and I'm not going to throw any of the names out there on the yeah. bus, but I just, I've witnessed them close close down, like when it comes to trying to collaborate and work on things, you know, and and some some of them do go push the limits on, they'll go beyond 90 days, Peter. Yeah. I mean, it really, the express written consent sometimes they'll say you have that into perpetuity. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be branded. So yeah. some of the bigger bounty sales, like where a consumer does actually, like auto insurance we know pretty much is pretty quick, right? Yep. But some of these bigger bounty sales, like they take some it's time. A long, it's yeah. a long-term sales so, cycle. But there, there's, there's a balance here, like we talked about. Communications proper, you know, yeah. finding the right cadence, not yeah. overkilling. But hey, if you want to touch base, maybe if you have the law, the consent, 
and it, and if it's like a 30-day cycle because people are waiting for their next bill cycle to come around, yeah. really? Like, that makes logical sense, yeah, yeah. you know? But don't call them every day in yeah. between because that makes you look like an idiot. It does. And yeah. I think that I think that most people are pretty moderated in their approach. And I think, right. right, like everything, there are outliers, right? There are people who buy leads and never call them, which is insane too. It's nuts. Yeah. And then there are ones that call them far too often right. and you just have to have the right balance. But yeah. I think the ones that are on the far end of the column every day, if you look at the conversion numbers, like, right, there's a point of diminishing return in everything. And I think yeah. you just have to like figure out what that is. And, you know, I mean, you were in the call center business for a long time. I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys tested, should we call for seven days, absolutely eight days, and like where the point of diminishing return is, and it's different in every vertical, I'm sure. We did so. We found, you know, and this is still persistent. Like if as mo as close you can call in real time. I'm not saying anything that's rocket science. Here. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure most of the lead clinic knows this. That as soon as you can call, as soon as you receive the lead, you know, consumers do want that instant gratification. Yeah. Well, when you, it was a shared lead, truly, like which we're dealing with even still today. Everybody calls it right away. Yeah. Um, but what we found, yeah, there is a law of diminishing terms where you're wasting human labor. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then you look like a fool with just populating too many dials into the consumer's uh, phone yeah. log, right? But uh, calling, especially for a decision that's quick like auto, you want to at least call a couple times that mm -hmm. first day. Yep. You know, maybe a couple times the next day. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. You have to experiment with the dial strategy and cadence. And now there's a lot more intelligence that comes back with – uh, feedback, whether it's AI or whether it's just you taking your own data and getting that dial algorithm that feels, you know, feels right, where you're you're doing some calling, maybe some texting, uh, maybe send them an email. You find that right omni-channel approach where now you're giving the consumer what I talked about earlier, the ability to contact you too when it's convenient for them. You don't have to do all the outbound work. Yep. You can actually create a form where they can contact you too. And I think... Um I think part of what we've talked about a lot is like meeting the consumer where they want to be right. what, and what channel that is. If that's text, if that's email, if that's phone call. And I think it's different for every consumer, no doubt. But look, I, I think, you know, if I was a lead publisher, I would have that as a question on my form, right? How, yeah. do, you, how do you want to be contacted? Yes. For how long? For how many times? You know, when's the best time to get a hold of you? And, you know, look, if it's 9 p.m. on a Thursday, you know, I would want to sell that lead to an agency that can take – make an outbound call at 9 p.m. on a Thursday. Right. And that may not be every insurance agency, but that may be some. So I think, right, giving people choices is a good thing. Yeah, sometimes humans like to be told what to do too. <laughs> it's um, true. It's like, you know, all right, we're going to call you at 9 p.m. on Thursday, so answer the phone. But – you know, if you give them an option, they'll pick what's convenient for them and we can we can be more more respectful. And I think that as marketers, we need to do that. And I think it's probably critical. Yeah. I think you'll see um as this new potential rule goes mm -hmm. into effect in a couple of weeks, well, implemented in the next month or two, right? Yeah. But um and again you have six months to work through it. But I think, you know, You'll see, like said, the best time to call or what forum they want to be contacted because it's more direct. Yeah. But you, like you said earlier, is these lead generation companies, they also have their Google bill, their Facebook, their – and so there's going to be a balance here of trying to find that sweet spot of the consumer. But then the lead generator, if you want them to still generate leads for you yeah. uh, and comply, we're going to have to find that right pricing – 
get that conversion rate, that sweet spot. Conversion rates will, our contact rates will go up. I think so. We just have to prove it out. Yeah. We have to prove it out. But there'll be the better messaging. Uh, people will know who's calling. I think hopefully you'll get a better carrier pull through mm-hmm. for that phone carrier pull through. Um, a lot of moving parts, but I think if we see progress month over month, we'll all feel good about it. One thing, too, you know, since you were in the contact center space for a while, you know, we we talk about this frequently is carriers can block call traffic without even the caller knowing everything sounds like, right, a yep. normal outbound call, but that call may not be going through. Yep. Um, same with text messages. Mm-hmm. You know, how did you manage that in the call center space and, you know— I would say it's probably a bigger issue now than it was when, you know, it's probably evolved much more over the past couple of years right. since you've been out of that yes. space. But it was surely something you guys kept your, your you know, your finger on when you were there, right? Yeah, we, we were fortunate enough, like, it's not nearly as bad as it is now, mm-hmm. you know, when I ran double positive. But what's working now, at least, or helpful now, is to have the ability to cure your numbers. Mm-hmm. Um and to be able to have the service that you can use, whether you do it in-house or use a third party, if you do get a spam complaint, is to try to be able to make sure that you defend that in, mm-hmm. in a quick way, right? So there's platforms that you can use, uh, whether it's associated with your dialer or there's they're independent, where you can basically do that. They mm-hmm. work directly with T-Mobile, Verizon, the big carriers. Big carriers. And you can cure your numbers. It's um, Sometimes it's in real time, but usually it's like a 24-hour lag. But it's good because ultimately you'll see your contact rate put. What we did when I was dialing, when we first started dialing, was we used local numbers. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. When like it, We yeah. saw a 20% increase in contact rates by calling people from the phone number, the area code that they filled out their form. Mm-hmm. The challenge with that now is, is that most people don't, you know, it's- It's reversed, I think, right? Well, well at the time, people, you know, when when- People can keep their phone number now when they move, right? Yeah. So there's so many people that have their phone numbers. Like, I have a 410 number from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I live in California now. Yeah. Thanks for coming out west, by the way. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, I know why you live here now. The weather's perfect. Oh, it's <laughs> so Cal. I love it, man. I love it. And uh, I'm glad you came out. Yeah. But, but local numbers was a big uh, help for us to get through higher contact rates. Mm-hmm. Now I think you have to have um, – if, if you're running a call center and you have um, – you should have carrier uh, redundancy. Like you should have, so you should have a backup plan if you're using a dialer. Know like, hey, if this, if their main um, carrier goes down, I, you should ask them who they have as their backup dialer or or you're going to be using your own cell phones to call, mm-hmm. which is which is not horrible. But, yeah. um, and then, like I said, using these um, carrier, work with carrier uh, to cure your numbers. And then uh, even a step further, you and I are both part of reach yeah. and part of reach is to, you know, carrier relations. So yeah. we're going to be talking to the carriers. We're going to be through this whole process through the FCC. We're going to be trying to make sure that now these are very clear. We're complying. So help us because our cost is going to go up, help us, you know, work with the carriers then to get these calls through because yeah. these people actually are making it crystal clear. They want to speak to this brand. And I think that's, you know, I think this is a good plug for Reach, right? Um, yeah. You know, 
everyone should join Reach if you're you're buying 100%. leads, right? Especially now. Yep. For those of you who don't know, right, Reach Responsible Enterprise Against Consumer Harassment. We don't want to harass consumers. We were gonna it's a self-regulatory um organization, yep. which you know, the insurance agents who are listening, some of you guys are um FINRA uh licensed, so you're a broker dealer. Um, you know, and FINRA self-regulates, right? Mm -hmm. And they have standards and rules you have to abide by or they kick you out, yeah. right? That's what REACH does. And REACH does this, you know, you're agreeing to certain things. You're agreeing to one, follow the law, two, yep. to, to call only a certain amount of times per, you know, and really, I, I don't remember what the number is precisely, but I, I think that if you're calling over the number, right, it's kind of crazy anyway. It so it it's it's about being respectful, but also the lead publishers who join the organization, right, have to live up to to standards too and disclosures on the forms. And I think that leads to a better experience. One right. thing too that I want to talk about, right, as is marketers pushing the limits, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I've we've talked about my Candy Crush lead story before. <laughs> we talk about nineteen dollar auto insurance all the time, ads, you know, yeah. stuff like that. You know, I think that advertisers may push the limits here too in the actual ads. You know, what do you think the right balance is for getting, you know, having meaningful copy to engage someone, but also not deliver false. I mean, let's take the Candy Crush example. Right? Yeah. We can just take that stuff that's trash. It's incentivized. Like, yeah. it's not high converting. No one wants it anyways. But $19 a month auto insurance is pretty unrealistic in virtually every state. Or, you know, what's the balance to get someone engaged, but also to deliver a message that's not completely Fake. unrealistic? Unrealistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, clickbait, you know, yeah, just really bait. just, exactly. you know. But we've seen it. Like, in mortgage, I've seen 0%, you know, mm -hmm. or point, you know, something interest rates. I mean, and then there's like the, like I said, the disclaimer yeah. that says some fine, crazy loan product that the consumer can get into, right? Yeah. Like every vertical has the need to try to generate more volume mm -hmm. um, and to offset, you know, a lot of the premium media costs that they have that yeah. you talked about. But I think, you know, whether it's now we're dealing with the FCC on a communication and consent law, the there's verticals that, you know, are doing a better job policing the advertisement. So a, a prime example of that is CMS. Mm. Uh, Medicare got crazy you yeah. know, over, you know, uh, benefits and um, the health card and prescription and all the stuff that was really false. Like, mm -hmm. and so CMS, which regulates the marketing for the Medicare space, came in and said, hey, you know, like United, Humana, all these guys, like, you got to, you know, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so it, there's been a, a, a good, you know, cleanse in that space too. So it happened in the mortgage space too when there was false ads. So I think ultimately that stuff gets smoked out because yeah. people are watching. We yep. know that. <laughs> yep. And and now there's AI and everything that's going to be watching even further. So I think, you know, you can try to get a base hit or, you know, double trying to get through that for a short break, but you're going to get smoked out. Yeah. So I think – We'll find with this new FCC uh, lead generation loophole that ultimately consumer – we're going to see a better consumer experience. Yeah. And false advertising ain't going to fly either. No. So, Well, the CMS example is great, and I think that you know having a government – I think it's, again, one of these things where marketers just pushed it too hard. And then, then too hard. when it 
you know, instead of instead of coming back to like a moderate position, right, we've come back to this extreme position where the government has to literally approve every ad in that space, which is crazy. And I mean, I know certain people have different positions on it. And some are like, well, if I use blue font in the same words, right. Instead of red font in the same words, I don't need another approval. And some people have taken the other position that you do, which is so weird. Like that's you would crazy. think that the government would actually have clear rules on these things yeah. when they come out with it, but they don't. But that's an extreme position um, of now we need the government to approve every advertisement in this space. But marketers pushed it a little too hard and then they got what was coming to them, you know, unfortunately. It's a general theme and what I've witnessed in my 20 years performance marketing is extremes, like you said. We went from 10,000 companies on a marketing partners page, now we're going to one. One, right. (laughs) We tried, we said, hey, is logically, can we list like, you know, can we have a competitive offering where we can populate multiple brands ourselves, you know, and say these five people will call you. Nope, not going to work because we get greedy as performance marketers or everybody wants the edge on the other one, whether it's revenue or um, chasing. And and if they find what they think is cracking the code on volume um, and it, it just, it happens in every vertical, every vertical. Um, It's, it stinks that we are an extreme, like you and I, I feel like we're, we're practical. We're down to earth. We try to, we try to find a, a happy medium, reasonable ground, solution, yeah. but unfortunately, we're not we're not in a in a broader group that does that, yeah. and so we're back to this, you know, with the, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, we'll really see, but I think I think that's really um, just the reality of our our society Space. is extremes. Yeah. Do you think the new FCC ruling will bring um, more inbound calls as like an option, like? You know, will that perhaps be a more interesting approach for people instead of being like, okay, someone's going to outbound reach you, like, okay, call this number for your quote? Like, do you see? I think yes. that could potentially be a a reasonable outcome, right? Yes, I think there's a couple forms of marketing that you should start looking at right now if you haven't done already. Yeah. Um, uh, inbound, direct inbounds are fine because the consumer's initiating the call. So you'll see a lot of the lead generation companies. A lot of them do inbounds already today in certain verticals like ACA, Medicare, debt. Mm-hmm. Easy to throw up a banner ad or on Facebook, or and then consumer calls in. Uh, there's tracking platforms that are you can use like Ringbud to take that call. You know, track the time, the what's being said, all these things. Right. I think that's going to grow. Uh, it already has grown astronomical year over year because some of those verticals, but next year it's going to be way more important. So building your agency that can have the ability to train your agents that you can field those calls on a performance basis. Yep. When you pay for a TV ad or a radio ad, you have to field every call, right? And But I think when you do this through performance marketing, you get a duration limit, you get a buffer. So I think talking to the lead generation companies about this and talking to you about this is like, um, you get 90 seconds, 120 seconds. So prep your sales team on how to handle that. And you could still track it through, like I said, platforms like Ringba. That is going to be a big um, avenue for marketing next year for sure. The other one is branded lead generation. Like, so actually, a lot of verticals like auto insurance typically rely more on the uh, lead generators, mm-hmm. aggregators, brokers. I think um, – you can start looking at, and I see this more on the national level, so it's harder on the agency level, but 
finding a way to try to drive traffic to your page mm -hmm. is safe because you're going to be able to take that traffic, whether it's through Google, Facebook, or email marketing, mm -hmm. and have them hit your page. They're going to see your messaging, your disclaimers. So I think that form of marketing is going to grow. So it's always good to like, first party marketing is strong, right? It's your own. Absolutely. It's your own. And I think people, it's hard to figure out, especially domestically, because it's competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to get expertise. Mm -hmm. But I think there'll be solutions that's going to help that, you know, find agencies that work through that, you know, and, and help bridge the gap to make it successful. I think it's challenging for the smaller operations, the individual insurance agents. It is. Um, it's definitely going to that, – that's definitely a challenge for, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, one of the biggest ones, right, you, you've got, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven, you know, billion-dollar gorillas, you know, fighting over – those same eyeballs of consumers and, right. you know, you've got Allstate, State Farm, Liberty Mutual, Progressive, Geico that all spend over a billion dollars annually on advertising. And a bulk of that yeah. is, is digital. A bulk it of is. that is not TV. Like, yeah, there's some TV, but, you know, I don't, I don't know what TV commercials run anymore, but I assume the TV pricing is down drastically over 15 years ago because less people were watching TV, right? More people were watching Netflix platforms Screams, without, yeah. you know, any any commercials or yes. something. So no, you right. have these billion-dollar players that are spending a significant part of their billion-dollar bud marketing budgets in the digital space. So it's hard for an individual a insurance agency to compete with those people. And that's why lead generation has been so attractive to insurance agents. Because you can buy by uh, yeah. zip code. You can buy mm -hmm. by these certain filters that meet mm -hmm. your criteria. Because the, the lead gen company is taking the principal risk. Yep to buy all those people intake into their form, top of the funnel, and then you're trying to get, you know, as much narrowed down filters. We call filters, right? Yep. So you're right. I think if you're really trying to generate leads localized, a lot of the um, social media platforms allow you to do that. You just yeah. have to find the right way to do it. Whether you build it, you can go on YouTube and learn how to do it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, take classes or find an agency that can help you do it. But I think you can compete with the big guys still, but just doing more localized keywords, like being creative, thinking about ways that you can try to really capture that consumer. If you're a smaller agency and you only can deal with a state or a couple states, just really what's going to distinguish, you know, that, that, that these corporate conglomerates don't really know down to that local level. You have to be a little bit more creative. You have to find a little, you know, one little uh, base hit there, one little, you know, edge will help you. You know, that's interesting because, you know, that's really the value. If you're an individual insurance agent in a local community, you understand your community pretty well, right? And it might be even things like, I had someone tell me this, you know, a real estate marketing company told me, you know, they really put all of the copy on their website around communities, not yeah. city names, not, you know, um, but like local community names. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. But like, think about that. If that's how like, you know, your local community works and it's like, you know, we don't really, we classify this part of this city as this, then some person sitting in New York or, you know, Boston, they're not going to know that. No. So you do have an edge. Yes. You just may not have realized what your edge is right now. And you've just pushed it off because you've just been able to buy yeah. leads filtered, you know, and you're from some of these big aggregators or mm -hmm. brokers or, perform or or lead generators. So now I just think these things to start thinking through, you know, when you're looking at your marketing spend and how this new rule will affect it, you know, those are things that you should take into consideration. But inbounds are easy because mm -hmm. you can go back to some of those lead generation companies and say, hey, I've ignored buying inbounds from yeah. you, and now those are some things that I'd like to consider. 
And those prices are probably going to go up, though, because the demand's going to go up. They will. So we got to make will. sure the unit economics works. So you're making money on buying those. Um, but you know, like every- secret for that, though, just yeah. real quick to help help Please. your audiences is your answer rates. the The performance markers again, they're taking the principal risk. They're generating the media. They look at the revenue they're making per call, right? And by doing that, it's by your answer rates and your acceptance rates, not just your bid. That's right, yeah. because you could bid the most, but then reject most of them because you're not answering them or you're hanging up before the duration. Mm-hmm. So again, getting your sales staff, whether it's carving out a couple folks that just deal with that type of uh, channel, uh, like if you have a direct mail team, now you have an inbound team mm-hmm. on um, because you have to have a good communication path with your lead generator on really uh, your pull through, your mm-hmm. conversions. And you and I, I know you're a big believer in dispositions have to. and, perf- you know, full cir- full circle back to the lead generator. So I think that's going to help you be successful. If anybody, you, you don't have to be a big shop to do inbounds. No. You can set concurrency caps. You can actually put like, hey, I can only take one per hour. Yep. And the lead generators have the technology to abide by that. Yeah. So that's okay. That's okay. Just just know that when you answer it, you're going to treat it fair. You're not manipulated. There's, there's yeah. shops that are unfortunately yeah. training to hang up with consumers below the duration limits. But you'll get again. You'll get smoked out over time on that. Well, and then there's a huge risk too. You call that person back, and, and now you have a TCPA risk. And now, I, we've yes. seen one of the a very large settlement for a very large insurance carrier last yeah. year where that was literally what happened. That's right. It was an inbound person called back. Like, look, these plaintiffs' attorneys are very, very, very smart and very cunning people, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to go through that call, try and get a disconnect, see if the person calls them back. And if it does, it's an illegal call under the TCPA. And now they're going to initiate a massive class action. And if you're, you know, an agent for Allstate or State Farm or Farmers or a huge conglomerate that's going to pick up the vicarious liability on that exposure, that could be a $20, 30000000 million settlement to that company, which is – is meaningful. It's significant. <laughs> I mean, even for a company that's generating $30 billion in annual revenue, they're not generating that Still, in annual profit. Yeah. $20 million, you know, TCPA settlement is is a meaningful amount. And then, you know, that agent probably lost their contract, is no longer an agent with that company. And I can't imagine, you know, after, you know, settling a $20 million lawsuit, they're going to keep you around if you're, you know, weren't that smart to begin with. They're going to be like, all right, see exactly. you later. Yeah. So don't cut corners. No, you know, just do things. That, yeah. Just do things that, that make sense that, and being direct communication, like I know you're really good at uh, speaking with the partners that you mm-hmm. you're transparent. You speak through yeah. the business process. You have a good understanding of that, and that way, folks in Lee Clinic, yeah, they feel comfortable with that as well. Yeah, you know, are a lot of your, you know, a lot of the brands that that you're working with are any of them still engaged heavily in direct mail? Do you see, you know, any thoughts on direct mail? A lot of insurance agents that we work with have at one time been heavy in direct mail and it seems to see a declining performance. I'm just curious if if any of your clients, you know, mentioned that to you or that's something that you're on top of it all. Yeah, it's typically an older demographic. So Medicare still is same thing. You have to follow the CMS uh advertising rule. Yeah. Um that and debt settlement. Also debt typically uh credit card debt resolution basically you're helping consumers out of their uh massive credit card debt. You're reducing it so they can now get back on their feet and you know and have the ability to to work through their their challenges with not paying their bills. Mm-hmm. Um typically that's an older consumer too. Somebody who has decent credit but is racked up twenty, thirty thousand in credit card debt, they could be fifty, sixty years old yeah. and trying to take care of of, you know, their 
their life before they get to that next stage. So yes, direct mail does typically work with an older demographic. Yeah. And I still see it a lot within performance marketing, especially really? except Medicare and, and debt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So a lot, you know, I would say too, right, to insurance agents is another marketing technique to even nurture their age leads, you know, when you can't call them. It's a more respectful way, perhaps. Um, don't bombard them with mail every day. It's also wasting your money. But, um, you know, it's, it's a good way to nurture and get people back into the funnel. Yes. Um, and to get them perhaps, you know, calling inbound to you um, when you legally can't call outbound to them. So that's, that's it. And email. Email. Because uh, you have, as long as you follow the can spam rules. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Like there's a lot of people now that in our discussions about how to work through this FCC. Well, you can still actually buy lists if you mm -hmm. like. You just can't call them or text yeah. them. But you can email them. You can direct mail them. You can you throw them on, you know, if uh, Facebook audiences. Yeah, target social. So, yeah. so, so you just can't call them or text mm -hmm. them. But – you could still find ways to market. You just so I think we'll see that. We'll start seeing that because email is still very effective. If you use a good email deliverable and you have mm -hmm. value that you're delivering to the consumer, I think um, that that'll win. Th th that'll win because incremental marketing, um, you know, that you have an edge over somebody who just isn't picking that up. So any sales that you get from that, from your data, you can throw that right back into your marketing budget. And I think, too, that there's perhaps will be an evolution towards um, more organic marketing. Like, yes. I mean, just look at what I'm doing now. I'm doing a podcast with you. No doubt someone will see this who may have not otherwise heard of me or maybe was interested in lead clinic but happens to take a look around and see, you know, watch a podcast and be like, okay, there's value being added. I want to work with these That's people. Right. And I think that that could be done for insurance agents, too, right? Throw out some value yes. add for nothing. Yes. Give and you will receive, right? And yes. people will follow you on social. People will, you know, if you create engaging content, why can't you just do what the advertisers were doing anyways? Um, it's harder. It's a long-term game. It's not immediate, you know, gratification. But if you can play the long game, you know, you may be able to win very effectively. I agree. I, I think we, again, as a as a group, you know, have gone extreme on just trying to get that form fill. Yeah. Just as quick as possible. Yeah. Right? And get the legal ability to call them and then call yeah. them, call them, call them. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's sometimes it's literally just landing on a, a – you have an ad and you go right to a landing page. But I think you're right is the folks that are really uh, – Vested for success will build some extra content mm -hmm. to add value to the consumer experience. You know, it's going to make your call better. Mm -hmm. It will. And over time, if you don't get that sale now, mm -hmm. <clears throat> they'll remember. They'll mm -hmm. remember. Consumers will remember. A, a lot of, you know, a lot of times consumers get a pet rap for being stupid. But mm -hmm. if you do something that really, you know, separates yourself from everybody else, just something that they can remember. Mm -hmm. it, it'll help you. May not get the sale now. But it can – so, yes, I think you should look at organic ways to, to find that you can add extra content to the consumer journey and experience because, again, you want to try to separate yourself um, in this new potential performance marketing era. Yeah. And that's another lever you can pull. It sure. absolutely is. It absolutely is. So – you work with some really big brands. Yeah. You work with a lot of large enterprises. What do you see on a daily basis that, like, what's, you know, besides the FCC ruling, is there any real hot-button topic or something that, that you know, folks are, are gravitating towards today that, that's new or unique? 
You know, I think the carrier, like we're the FCC piece is obviously front and center right now for everybody. We're all talking through that. I think the, um, the carrier, you know, the carrier connectivity issue has been persistent this year. You know, it's been huge for call centers. And I, I think that's, you know, that's just going to, you know, maybe these, these worlds will collide, like I said, Mm -hmm. with, with help through reach, but really it's been, you know, I've seen in my 20 years, like certain verticals spurred up, it's cyclical, right? Like mortgage is taking a hit now. So what we're seeing in performance marketing is ACA, Medicare, debt. Uh, Last year, tort was really big with Camp Lejeune. So um, there's a lot of verticals that pop up and, you know, you know, become prominent and then some that pull back right now. We're in the middle of open enrollment for Medicare um, and ACA. So I think, you know, it's, it's really just, um, Compliance, I think, is really the reality of what we're all dealing it's a huge with. Huge risk, yeah. and yeah, we got to be on top of it all yeah, the time. Absolutely, we but have. that's that's front and center. And I think um, we're going to see, you know, again, we're going to see some um, some folks go out of business. We're going to see yeah. some people lose their jobs. The economy, you know, is going to take a hit. We talked about that on our reach meeting. Like, we have to see how that shakes out, you yeah. know. But I think that you know, ultimately, we're all going to feel better about who we're going to be as we grow up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, I think that's, that's fair to say. Well, Joey, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you, you know, having you here. You're a wealth of knowledge to me and to our listeners and our viewers. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I've, like I said, I've just, it's been awesome to see what you're doing with Lead Clinic. Thank you. You're putting so much time and effort. Hopefully, uh, your audience appreciates how much you care about their yeah. their actual uh, benefit and growth and the success. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Joey, uh, thanks again for being with us. We appreciate you. 